Well, good morning again, everybody. I hope that you got enough sleep last night. Always like this part of the time change where you fall back and get that extra hour. Never like the one in the spring. Uh, today, I want to start out with a fun question for you. Have you ever said or done something that you've regretted? It might be best to think a few weeks back and not something that happened this morning as to it might create some complicated feelings for you. And I might be projecting here just a little bit, but I think that we've all probably faced those types of situations. My question about that though is, what was the response of the other person? How did they respond to something you said? Did they offer forgiveness? Or were they so upset that they said or did something back in kind to get even. Now we've all made mistakes and sometimes the regret that we have is instant and we apologize. Maybe it was a genuine slip somewhere. You know, being a dad, I've become attuned to recognizing genuine apologies to where something was a true mistake versus something that was definitely intentional to hurt their sibling. You know, there are those times uh, that we go through that when we're hurting another person, we might not know that we're hurting another person. And we can feel that genuine remorse. But there are also times where it's premeditated, where we want to hurt that other person, where we want to, to crush them and get even with them so that they would never cross us again. I mean, it seems pretty easy these days to be able to get under the skin of someone else. Our culture, our society is very divided. Politically, um, you think of holiday seasons coming up. Are you already getting anxious about that one family member that you don't really wanna have conversations with? Maybe you're getting your talking points ready getting your excuses ready to get you out of something. You know, conflict is something that many of us try to avoid, but oftentimes we find ourselves right in the middle of it. And this morning we're going to be finishing up our deeper dive into Romans 12 and how we handle good and evil around us. As Christians, especially when it deals with conflict, we have instructions that are given to us in the word. And we've talked a lot about the different charges or the exhortations that Paul gives in this section. Last week, we took a harder look at the issues of pride. And as I contemplated that message this past week, as I considered different stumbling blocks in my own life when it came to pride, um, you know, I, I determined that when it comes to my issues of pride, it comes down to unbelief. Or I'm not believing different things that are written. You know, and we all have unbelief for different reasons. One of, it, one of those reasons might be because we don't know what the Word of God says about something, so we just aren't believing in said thing. Uh, another reason is that we're actively choosing to not believe what the Word of God says and instead going our own way because we believe our way is the better way. Our way is better than God's way. Now, Paul, in his other teachings, tries to say how he boasts in his weaknesses all the more. He uses Christ as the example for humility to try to follow, 
rather than being arrogant, rather than being prideful. And this is something that might be easy to say on a Sunday in this building, but in the day-to-day, when we're interacting with others, it can be a challenge, especially as we brush up against those people who have needs, opinions, desires, longings, and things to say. Things that can interfere with what we may want to do. Now you see how I painted that towards our pride. Let's look at it in a different way. Every day we have an opportunity to brush up against people who have needs, opinions, desires, longings, and things to say. An opportunity for us to display the love of God, to serve the King. See, we have this constantly before us and how we handle what comes before us. We can be pessimistic about things. We can be optimistic about things. We can have a godly view of things. We can have a worldly view of things. It's constantly before us. And we need to get rid of the thought processes that would take us down a prideful road and instead focus on our renewed minds in the spirit. So let's read our passage again today and we're gonna focus on the last few verses. Beginning in chapter 12, verse nine. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, as we continue to dive into these instructions for the early church and see how they apply to our own lives, Lord, there are definite circumstances that we may currently be in of conflict and how to handle um, different feelings of vengeance. So Lord, I just pray that you would soften our hearts today, that you would help us to trust in you and your love and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this is the last section that we're going to be going over here in Romans 12. And we're seeing instructions on how to handle people or situations that might oppose us. Again, kind of pulling everything that we've talked about so far together. Um, You look back up to verse 9 and how this passage begins. To let your love be genuine. Genuinely loving those who are opposed to you. And again, in our section, we see the echoing of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. Pray for those 
who persecute you. And then we can see the connections in verse 14 along with verses 17 and 19 where Paul is saying to never pay back someone, never avenge, never get vengeance in the form of being a vigilante. You know, we talked about this a little bit last week, but it seems to be a natural sentiment. When you are wronged, you want to get even. Or maybe you want to go above and beyond, like I said, and just crush that person so that they don't want to cross you again, so they don't want to hurt you again. And I say it's natural because you take a child, for example. It doesn't take them long to learn how to hit back or to take another toy that has been taken for them. I mean, we look at our children and we teach them to stand up for themselves, right? We understand um, that they shouldn't be bullied, that they should be able to defend themselves. Now, it is important to stand up for the truth and what is right and how to handle that. But, you know, when we think about the things that happen in this world, the situations that we face, the evil that is within this world, it's going to continue to persist around us. We're not exempt from the evil just because we become Christians. So we need to know how to handle it. We need to know how to respond to the evil that we see and that we face because society is changing in ways that seem to be escalated. Things that seemed so preposterous 30 to 40 years ago are now the cultural norms. You think of the discussions on transgenderism, on homosexuality, on abortion. Things that were so out of place 50 years ago. Today you're demonized if you stand against it. The world and the evil within want us to respond in ways that would repay evil for evil. That would escalate the conflict. That would take our eyes off of the Father, his love and his goodness, and respond in evil. Things like blowing up abortion facilities. Things like social media. I know Brett always mocks and says that's why he doesn't have the fish symbol on his car. Because he doesn't want people to be associated with how he's driving to being Christians. We give a witness and a testimony with everything that we say and do. And the world wants us to repay in kind. The enemy wants us to be focused on these situations, these issues, so that our focus cannot be on the Father. But Paul focuses on a spiritual response that we all must have. In the ESV, in verse 17, he says, Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. The King James Version says, Provide things honest in the sight of all men. The NASB says, Respect what is right in the sight of all men. And the NIV says to be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. So we see this instruction from Paul and we think, okay, how? I mean, especially when I'm hurt, especially when I'm vulnerable, especially when it's so easy just to lash out in anger. How do I do things that are honorable in the sight of all? Because many times we just want to pay back the hurt and the pain that we are experiencing. Such a powerful temptation and attack from the enemy. The how starts at the beginning of this chapter. If you go back up, and we've referenced this several times because of the importance of it. Looking at verses 1 and 2 
of chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So as we look at this, it's easy to see how we can be conformed to this world. But that's not what we're called to do as believers. Instead, we're to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Now, this is a passive imperative, meaning the action is done to us. It is an action done by God through the Holy Spirit. We must let it happen. We must surrender. We must submit to God working in us. That way, we will know what is good, what is acceptable, and perfect. Knowing is one thing. Doing is something completely different. You look at verse 17. You look at the above exhortations. Paul is instructing the church of what they are to put into practice through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when when we look at the church, when I look at the world in a lot of ways, there was a saying that I read in a book a few years ago that said the church is full of hurting people. Hurting people. You know, we're all broken. We're all in need of healing from our Savior. We need the renewing of our minds because it is so tainted by sin. And it's a natural response in our flesh to lash out and repay evil for evil. But as believers, we're not called to the actions of evil. But rather, we're called to actions that are honorable, respectful, honest, and good. The saying goes, kill them with kindness. And we see the connections of that understanding down in verse 21, where it talks about not being overcome by evil, but rather overcome it with good. You know, going back to the first week that we started this chapter, our definitions of good and evil. If we define good as God, since God is good, then our actions should be godly towards one another. That's how they should be reflected, because he is good. Paul then goes on to charge the believers to live peaceably with everyone. But we want to take notice of how he says this because there's two qualifiers. If possible, and so far as it depends on you. As Christians, we are to maintain peaceful relationships. However, Paul recognizes you can only control your attitude and how you respond to things. The actual peaceful relationship takes two. It takes two people kind of working together. So, focus on yourselves. You know, in your own life, how are you depending on the Spirit to renew your mind? How you are depending on the Spirit kind of dictates how you're going to respond to different circumstances. You know, if you're conformed to this world, you're going to to respond in worldly ways. But as you are being renewed in your mind by the Spirit, you're going to respond more godly ways. And it takes time. Everything within us as believers should want to respond in the way that the Spirit is guiding and directing us, to live peaceably with all. But we're going to face conflict, and conflict can be difficult. 
Oftentimes the thought can go through our minds of how am I expected to live at peace with others who are so intent at making war, who are so intent at starting conflict. The answer is you're not to do what is impossible, but you're to do what is possible so much as it depends on you. So first, don't focus so much on the other person making war. What are you doing or saying to escalate that war? Are you making comments that you know will set them off? You know, we tend to see this a lot in our families, whether it's siblings, whether it's spouses. We're around each other all the time. We know each other very well. We know what buttons to push. We know how to get under each other's skin. but you can only focus and change what you do and what you say. This should give you hope and comfort because we're all responsible for our actions. We can't be held responsible for the actions of others. Therefore, we do what we can. We attempt what is possible and leave the consequences and that other person's reactions or responses to God. We try to stay in that lane of biblical tension where our behaviors and our words are reflecting him. And we don't write others off right away by saying, well, it's just not possible. You know, when, when he says to do things, or if it's possible, it means that you've exhausted the opportunities that you've had. You've done things within your power to live peaceably. Not that you've given up right away. You know, he then follows this up with the next verse saying, um, you know, he recognizes that evil needs to be punished, but you are not the punisher. You are not the vigilante. It doesn't mean that we are to be getting even. You know, if people are breaking the peace with us, and I, again, I just want to stress, take care of our reactions first. This is not a you're always the victim, it's always the other person's fault type of message. So much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. But you know, if other people are starting conflicts or if things are offensive to you, do not avenge. You know, we no longer live for this eye for an eye type of attitude. Jesus corrected this teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And the key thought that Paul expresses here is from Deuteronomy 32, 35. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know, it's always a temptation to take matters into our own hands, to see to it that evil is repaid with evil, to see to it that it is repaid at all costs. But that is not our job. Our job is to live peaceably. And he tells us why. He tells us why retaliation is unnecessary. That's because God is in control. We serve a sovereign and just God, a God who is, a prom- who is promised to avenge the wrongs of those who are ill-treated. That's also from Deuteronomy 32. Therefore, we don't find it necessary to be an avenger, but rather leave room for God's wrath. Because when we're trying to get even with people, here's what happens in the thought processes of our minds. It goes back to pride. Because we think God is not just We think God is too slow at giving us what we want and what we deserve. And we lower the standards of God in order to go above him to get vengeance. 
we respond, or perhaps more correctly, react so fast to things that even if it was a genuine slip-up and the person felt remorse, we've already escalated it to the next level by our response and our actions to repay evil for evil. So many times in the conversations in our culture, in our society, in our nation, it's at, a, it's at level 100 from the beginning. There's no time for people to think about the responses that they're having. Instead, we just rationalize our own responses as being justified because we've been hurt. The whole, yeah, but they did this to me, Lord, that whole argument isn't going to carry much water. God is just. You, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Now, this doesn't mean that you become a doormat. We need to properly communicate boundaries, truths, communicate errors, communicate hurts, as well as different ways that peace can continue to be maintained. A lot of times, our expectations and our ability to communicate suffers, and we face problems in our relationships. And there are just relationships that are out there that can be toxic for you. I recognize that. I have a few of those in my life. Ones that you're going to have strong disagreements with. Ones that you're not going to want to be around very often. But you know, the word gives us comfort in a lot of ways. And I think of Acts 15. At the end of Acts 15, what happens is Paul and Silas set off on their journey. Barnabas and John Mark set off on theirs. But right in the middle of that, you see Barnabas saying, hey, let's bring John Mark along. Paul's like, no, I don't want to take him. Why should we take him? They had strong disagreements. So they went their separate ways. Still both serving the Lord, still both being missionaries. Again, create boundaries. As you brush up against some of these people that just can be grating, speak the truth in love. You don't have to be best friends. You don't have to go out of your way to interact with everyone. But you're peaceable. You're godly. You're exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. Because we're all, again, broken. We're all, again, in the process of being healed. So much as that we are being renewed by the Spirit in our minds, rather than being conformed to this world. But going along with peaceable, Paul gives some more instruction. Another quote from the Old Testament, this time from Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22, where we are to substitute doing evil or vengeance by doing good and caring for others. You know, as you are doing good for others, as you feed them while they're hungry, give them drink while they are thirsty, you are heaping burning coals on their head. Now, this can be a definite um, reference to divine punishment later if that person does not come to repentance. But the, the thought behind this action is one that would bring the person onto salvation. Now, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. But there was definite people when I became a Christian that I did not want to become Christians. There was people that had hurt me, that had wronged me, that I thought, nope, I'm not sharing the gospel with them because... I like this verse in Deuteronomy. I like this verse here in, in Romans and in Hebrews. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. They're going to get theirs. 
I lived with that. You know, and it was at the time that the Austin Powers movies were coming out, so I'd hold my pinky finger here and laugh maniacally, and the power is mine. So foolish. The vengeance of the Lord is not something that we should be excited about, but rather fear. Because we're talking about lost souls. Because we're talking about those that are going to be eternally separated from the Father. And it should break our hearts. Jesus kind of echoes this teaching in Matthew 25, 35 through 40. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger or welcome you and a naked, welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to the, one, the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You see, our good actions, our being the hands and feet of Christ can be a witness that brings a person to repentance. It can stimulate shame, it can stimulate guilt, remorse to seek repentance and forgiveness. I mean, we're so used to a culture that shoots first and asks questions later. We've done so much damage to our relationships, to our families, to where we don't understand how to communicate properly. And we have a lot of work to do. But this work is done through the Lord. It's not that we sit back and just watch him do everything. Rather, it's as this sermon series has expressed, we are walking with the Lord. We are keeping in step with him. We are we are being renewed in our minds and he works through us to be a blessing to others. He recalls to mind scriptures when we face these types of situations, such as be slow to speak and quick to listen instead of blowing up in anger. He recalls to our minds, let your yes be yes and your no be no, meaning be upfront with people, say what you want. Not necessarily a bluntness and not care about the, the catastrophic pieces that are left behind, but rather not being passive, not being, not being weak-minded, but rather understanding the truth of what the Word says. As believers, we're not to be overcome by the evil that is around us. We're not to be overwhelmed to be able to give in to these temptations and respond in kind. We are to understand that evil is going to be around us. We're not to be in protected bubbles. And we don't just walk away from people. We overcome evil with good. We are to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And we do actions that will create an atmosphere that is like heaping judgment on the other person to where they feel the weight of their lostness, the weight, the glory, the majesty of God. It's not a direct judgment from us because we're not God, but rather our actions are godly. And the person is able to witness the Father through us. We are to actively look for steps to work out good in others' lives, even those who may have done evil to us. And it's not an easy task. Because again, we still want vengeance. We still feel the effects of being hurt. 
And there's the temptation to want them to be hurt as well. But lashing out at others does not heal your wounds. Only Christ heals your wounds. Only Christ heals their wounds. When we understand these points, then we're able to to change the way that we interact with people. We begin to see them the way that God sees them. We begin to love them the way that God loves them. And that's important for us in our growth as we're being renewed in our hearts and minds because it allows us to be light in the darkness, to be his hands and feet in order to overcome evil with good. You know, there's so many different verses in the New Testament about living in peace with others. It's kind of a fun word search to do if you have some time this week. But today I want to leave you with Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Again, the hope that I have for us this week is to look at ourselves a little bit, much like we did last week with the issues of pride, but instead this week focus on how we are living peaceably with all of those around us, encouraging you to keep walking in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit as we're being conformed into His image. Let's pray. Father, as we, as we talk about conflict, Lord, I understand that there's gonna be some wounds that are fresh. I understand that there's hurts that are still not resolved or processed. So this morning, Lord, I just pray for comfort. I pray for your healing power to come upon us and that you would bring, Lord, a spirit of forgiveness and a spirit of peace into our hearts and minds. Lord, so many times we respond the way that the world wants us to respond, to conflict, to evils, and to hurt. Lord, I pray that you would keep us firm on your truth, that we can stand up for your truth, and that we can do it in a loving and peaceful way, if it's possible, so much as it depends on us. Lord, we know that you are just and that you are the judge. We trust in your judgment. Lord, I think of lamentations, I think of other prophets that are crying out for your judgment to come down. How long, O oh Lord, will this wickedness last? Lord, help us to understand the heart that you have for the lost. How, how grateful and sometimes ignorant we are of our own separation before the gospel message. Lord, you did not give up on us. Help us to not give up on those around us that don't know you. Give us patience, give us love. Break our hearts for them, Lord. Lord, help us to cast, cast away our foolish pride 
to cast away the, the desire to get vengeance, to get even. Lord, give us soft and gentle hearts that can express your truths with the joy and gladness that is to be present in the gospel message. Lord, I thank you for how you have changed my heart and my mind over the years. And I pray and I look forward to how you continue to mold and shape me. Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear where you're leading me this week and the conversations to have with those around me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.